welcome to another episode of Living an Ultra Life. This week, we're going to talk about another ultra stories from the back of the pack. I love these, by the way, in case you didn't know, because these are just stories that happen along the way of running an ultra when you're a back of the pack runner and your your goal is to finish and not to podium. So set the scene for you here. It's uh, 2017. It's July and it's time for the Antelope Butte Mountain Festival. Antelope Butte is the ski hill outside, kind of between Dayton, Wyoming and Shell, Wyoming on Highway 14 up in the Bighorn Mountains. It's a beautiful little place. It's a it's a hard run actually. So the way this course is laid out is you start out from where the music festival is. You run 16 and a half miles back to the start line again. Then you reverse it. You run the opposite way, 16 and a half miles. And they claim it's 31 miles, but or 15 and a half miles, something, whatever. They claim it's 31 miles, but it's, it's further than that. I think it's more like 16 and a half and ends up being like 33 miles. Just kind of set the scene, week going into this. So before this, in 2017, this is probably the point where I was probably at one of the fittest physically that I've ever been. I was still struggling mentally with finishing long, really, really hard runs, but physically everything was dialed in. I mean, it was, everything was feeling good. Ran the Bighorn Mountain Run 52 miler about three weeks before and was cruising along, thought I was doing fantastic, pulled into Dry Fork, only to be informed that I had missed the cutoff. On my watch, I still had time. On their watch, I didn't have time. And I think the, the challenge became that we started late and um, nobody really noticed that we started late. And so it was a DNF, but uh, it was that was discouraging because I knew I was finishing that year, but that was a DNF at Big Bighorn. And so I was coming off of this. And the week before the Antelope Butte Ultra, I had probably one of my most stressful weeks that I had had working in a very, very long time. So we had some major thefts going on that nobody really ever figured out. We had my warehouse guy left the Friday before early because he had a toothache and wanted to go visit a dentist. So I let him off early. And then the following Monday morning, nothing. He didn't show up. He didn't call. He didn't do anything. Um, I called and texted him. Nothing. No answer. No text back. Finally, I knew his mom's number, so I called his mom. And about an hour later, I get a text back from this young man. And it was the first time ever as a manager that I had gotten a, oh, I forgot to tell you, I'm resigning because I have a job in the oil field by text. Yeah, it was interesting. So long the week goes and everything, I'm just kind of shaking things off and getting ready to go run this hard 50K. So Antelope Butte, it's all at 7,800 feet. You climb up to 10,000 feet, and it's it's going to be a difficult run no matter you know how you slice or dice it. It's mainly on these old forest service roads, so you're dealing with people and their forerunners, and sometimes they're pickup trucks trying to take them where they really shouldn't be taking them. 
But um, Wednesday, no, it's Thursday morning, rolls around. I go out to my truck and I start my truck and I start down the road and all of a sudden everything in my truck went dead. So I drift over to the side of the road and I called the place where I was getting all my maintenance done. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. It wasn't too far. So I got the truck started again and very slowly made my way to where I got my truck worked on, dropped it off and got one of my guys to come pick me up, take me into work. Probably around noon that day, it was Thursday. Around noon that day, I get a call that um, your truck's dead and we've got to get this part to replace it. And of course, we had to get corporate permission to fix the truck. So that was interesting. So I spent all day Thursday trying to get the truck fixed. Well, so my wife and I were going to go camping the night before. So we were going to head up on Friday. I was going to take a half day on Friday and we we're going to head up and go camping. So now I'm like going, okay, let's kind of switch plans. Well, the dealership goes, hey, we'll, we'll loan you a truck for, for the weekend while or for however long it takes to fix a truck. So I go down to the dealership and they have got a brand new, probably had 20 miles on it, F-250 pickup truck with all the bells and whistles. So life is getting much, much better. And so we load the truck up and we head up the mountain and we set up our tent and we're just having a great time, cook dinner Friday night, lay down because, you know, the race starts at six in the morning. So, you know, no, you know, I got to get up early, get my cup of coffee, get, you know, the other stuff done that I got to get done before I go running. And um, I was having a lot of knee pain back then, so I always wore a knee brace. So that, that'll play into this back of the pack story as we go. So we start out, there were probably, this is a good year, there were probably about 45 people who started out on the run. And I start out, my, this was still back before I learned that Mike needs to go to the very back of the line because Mike has a really bad tendency to start out too fast. And uh, so I did my usual, start running up the hill too fast. And I'm just sitting there going, man, something feels off. I don't know what feels off. And so I'm, pro I'm behind the, you know, the really fast guys and gals. There's probably about six or seven people in front of me. And, you know, we hit the first hill climb. Well, hill climb, you know, that's one of my specialties. And I'm going up this hill and I'm like, gosh, what is wrong with my knee brace? It just feels like something is off. And I'm just like ignoring it. And so I get to the top of the of this hill. First climb is probably about 600 foot climb straight up a hill on sort of a path. It's not really, there's not really a trail. So they just sort of put flags in the ground and you just sort of go up this hill. So I get to the top of it and these rocks and everything. And I'm like, all right, we're going to sit down and figure this out. So take my shoe off. I look down and my knee brace is on upside down. Now, part of the problem was the night before, this shiny new truck, probably around midnight, we're sleeping peacefully, and all of a sudden, we start hearing somebody's security alarm going off. And you know how irritating that is when you're up in the mountains camping, and you just want to have a peaceful sleep, and somebody's alarm is just incessantly going out, you know, and it's just blaring. And I figured out, oh, I think that's my truck. So I crawl out of the tent about midnight, and now I've got to try and figure out how to turn the blasted thing off. And so it took me a while to turn it off. I get it turned off, head back into the tent, fall back asleep. 
hour later, goes off again. So now I figure somebody drunk from the music festival is just messing with me. And so I just left it unlocked because, you know, it's not my truck. Steal it if you want to. The keys are in the tent and go back to sleep. So when, you know, 4.30 rolled around and I had to roll out of bed, for some reason, I didn't quite get dressed very well. Yeah, there was a lot of things I realized at the same time that I had forgot to lube some important areas. And so I quickly, you know, get all lubed up, kind of resort myself, and one of my buddies comes up the hill. So I ran with these two people in 2017, Jessica and Chelsea. There's a lot of funny stories. So one time, Jessica and I were testing the course. She had never been on it before, and we're running. And we run into some bikers, and we cross one of the streams. And, and this biker, you know, on the other side goes to me, man, I think it is so cool that you're out running with your daughter. And, okay, make me feel really old because Jessica's not that much younger than me, but she's younger than me. So Chelsea and Jessica became my running daughters, and we did a lot of training runs together. Well, so I'm sitting at the top of the hill. Don't ask me how I went back there. Just, you know, just deal with it, okay? So this is what happens in the backpack. So I'm, you know, sitting there getting myself all adjusted, mentally rearranging my brain and everything, getting everything sorted out. And Chelsea comes up the hill, and she's struggling Chelsea has never finished an ulcer before. So something in my brain just said, you know what? I'm going to stick with Chelsea the rest of the day. So we're at probably about eight miles at this point. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to stick with Chelsea and I'm going to get her across the finish line. So off Chelsea and I sat and we did, had a really, really good pace coming. And at Antelope Butte, this is kind of a funny thing. There's three water crossings. The first one's pretty easy. It's very shallow. There's even some stones down in, you know, like that they laid down in the bottom of it. So you can just very easily get across it. You're not going to get sand in your shoes and everything. The second water crossing's a little bit worse because you're literally crossing a river and you got to kind of not just cross the river, but you got to wade up it a little bit to get out of the river and onto the right path that you're supposed to be on. And then the third water crossing is a bog. So it, you're already going to get wet. So you're coming up to it and you got to cross this bog and then you go deep into this mucky, yucky, smelly water and then you're out of it. <laughs> Immediately after that third water crossing, it's probably one of the nastiest uphills that I've ever seen in my life. I don't know the percent grade of this uphill. It seemed like, you know, 75% if you can do that. No, not quite 75%. I mean, it is like, it's it's like, it's it's the steepest grade you've ever seen. It's only a little bit more than a quarter mile, probably maybe like 0.4 miles up to the top of this thing. But I'm telling you, when you get to the top of it, you know you've done good. So we're just, we get through all that. We make the right, the left turn. We know we've only got, you know, probably about four miles into the turnaround point. So we come down into the turnaround point and Chelsea's boyfriend at the time, who is her fiance, and very soon here, I think in the next week or so, about to be her husband, has the best sign that I've ever seen in the history of ultra running. He's out there holding the sign, telling her that she actually paid 
to you know put herself through this torture and so you got a picture you're coming down into this music festival you got music going you got food trucks out of this world so there's funnel cakes and there's people with beer and oh man chelsea and i pull into the one into the aid station the main aid station they're feeding us grapes we're sitting down and chelsea and i looked at each other and it's like we gotta go and so chelsea and i finally got up from our chairs and we head out the 16 and a half miles back the other way so our friend Jessica was the smart one. She only ran 16 and a half miles. So um, she started a little bit later than her. So we passed her on the way out on our second loop. She was coming in. We just head out. So we do the three water crossings again. I just remember the second water crossing on the way back. For some reason, I slipped and I just like landed on my butt in the water with water up to my chin. And um, we were just laughing. And at one point we realized we're probably the last two people that are still out there because a lot of people got back to the start finish line and they didn't turn around. They just said, screw this because, dude, it got hot on top of the mountain. So, I, you know, you're at between nine and 10,000 feet for all but probably about five miles of the race. And there's nothing shaded there's a little bit of shade in one part of the race but that's probably like two miles and then you have no shade for the rest of the race and so we're out there baking in the sun and we're just encouraging each other on so you know my thing was i'm going to get chelsea across this finish line she's going to finish dagon ultra that that's it i don't care what it takes she's going to finish this ultra race and so we keep on trucking along. It, it, was a, it was a good race. We know that, that we are the last two out on the course. We know we've got to kind of hustle because they're going to shut this sucker down at some point. We continue to go on around. We finally come down the last hill to where all the campers are that, have, are, that are camping out for the music festival. And this kind soul runs up and he has got some of the most ice cold Bud Light that you've ever tasted in your world. Now I'm gonna tell you, God bless Bud Light and Budweiser. I think Bud Light is the worst beer that's ever been created in the history of mankind. But I'm telling you what, when you've just run over 30 miles and that ice cold Bud hits your throat, boy does it taste good. It was the best tasting beer I've ever had in my entire life. Well, Chelsea downed hers and grabbed another one. So, you know, in we go to the, the, to the finish line, the last kind of mile and a half. Jessica's with us, and Chelsea's chugging a beer, and we cross the finish line. So I did a little thing at the, at the end of the finish line. I sort of stepped back so that Chelsea would go in front of me so that I would be DFL. So that was one of my DFL Ultra finishes. It was so amazing. So let me tell you why this Ultra Marathon is one of my favorites and sticks in, in my mind the most. There are a couple things I learned from it. Number one is you think you've got to go into these races and everything's got to be perfect. You've got to get the perfect sleep. You've got to have all the perfect situations. I'm telling you, my week up to this race sucked. There was nothing about it that was fun. Everything about it was hard. Everything said, you know, screw this. Why, why am I even racing? The night of the race stunk. 
getting woke up by a car alarm and realizing it's your car alarm that's waking everybody else up, that, that'll make for a bad day. So the number one thing that I learned is you don't have to have a perfect week to go out and run an ultra marathon. You just have to overcome all of the challenges and the adversity that you face. That's something you can apply to life. You're going to face adversity. You're going to face things that aren't going to go as planned. And you know what? You just got to overcome them. So the second thing that I learned in this race is sometimes weird stuff happens. How did I, I've been putting knee braces on for as long as I can remember. How did I put my knee brace on upside down? How did I run eight miles with my knee brace upside down? I don't know. I, I, I didn't have enough coffee because the water never got hot. So basically I just sort of sniffed coffee grounds hoping that it would give me a caffeine buzz or something. The start of this race was not great, but there's a reason sometimes for odd stuff happening. When I was up there and making all my adjustments and getting myself mentally adjusted, I did not know that Chelsea was having a bad start to her race and was already starting to get into that funk of, oh no, I'm not going to finish another one. I'm going to get another DNF. And she was already there. The reason that I say that is sometimes there's a different plan for you. And the different plan for me on this day was all this odd stuff happened so that I would chill at the top of the hill, letting everybody pass me to the point where I knew I was either the very back of, the, of everybody or near the back. There was a reason for it. It was because I was there to help Chelsea get across the finish line. So that's the second thing I learned is sometimes it's not all about you. You know, when you're running an ultra marathon, I want you guys to understand that, yes, your finishing is important to you, but sometimes you're out there for a different reason and maybe a greater reason. And that's the third thing that I learned during this ultra marathon. I learned that, you know what? The greatest thing in life is when you help others achieve their goals. When I took and said, okay, I'm gonna hang with Chelsea and I'm just gonna hang back and see her through to her first ultra marathon finish, my race immediately became better. We had an absolute blast. We laughed. There was a few little whiny crying from both of us, you know, periods, because you're, you're gonna go through some pain. We, we laughed when I fell in the water. We laughed off the high climbs. We laughed a lot when Chelsea got a beer at the finish. But you know what? Seeing her face as she crossed the finish line and seeing her turn around and realize that she had done something that she thought was unbelievably hard and that she would never do is one of the most amazing finishes that I have ever had in an ultra marathon. And there are more things like that that are going to happen in an ultra marathon if you'll open your eyes and realize it is not all about you that sometimes you're running this race because somebody put you there to be somebody else's support to get them through to accomplish their goal. You can learn a lot about life from Ultra Marathon, and you can learn a heck of a lot about life from the back of the pack. So that's another Ultra story from the back of the pack. I really appreciate you guys listening. I hope you're enjoying this. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day, and we will talk to you again next week. 
on living an ultra life.